Episode 34, Hashtag Relationship Goals. Join us at the table where we talk board games to miniatures and everything in between. The games we play with Brian and Chris. And Emily. Welcome to The Games We Play, a podcast about board games, miniatures, RPGs, tabletops, well, sometimes, but mostly about the games we play. This is episode 34, and I am Brian, and with me, we have a special guest. I'm Emily. That's right. My wife, Emily, is on the episode this week. Chris is absent. This episode does come out the week of New Year's, so happy happy New New Year's. Year's. Just schedules with Christmas and everything's weeks a little busy, so uh, Chris has taken a week off to have time with his family, and uh, he had time off from work, and I did too, so it just didn't really line up here the week of Christmas. So this is a special episode with Emily. I'm glad you're with me this week. It should be a lot of fun. Thanks. But hey, this uh, this podcast or this episode is not going to really change a whole lot. We, we do have a special uh, segment this week where we're going to be talking about our gaming goals, if that's what we want to call it. Yes. Bring on 2020. Absolutely. That's coming up this week. And we're still going to have what's on our table. We're going to be reviewing a game. Uh, We're reviewing Viticulture this week. With the Tuscany expansion. Well, I mean, we could talk about it. But yeah, we're playing, we're reviewing Viticulture. Um, We could touch on the Tuscany expansion when we talk about that. And then uh, we also have Love and Hate. And then that's going to be probably the episode here. So, Emily... Um, how's it feel to be on a podcast for the first time? I am super excited to be here. I kind of have been working behind the scenes pretty much ever since you guys started. And so it's, it's fun to be on an episode and discuss the games that we've been playing. No, yeah, it should be, it should be a lot of fun. You're, you're helping me a lot with the Instagram and the Facebook for all the social media. It's a lot of work behind the scenes, taking pictures. Uh, we're constantly playing games every, almost every day. Uh, although in the last couple of weeks with Christmas, it's a, it's a little crazy around here. Yes. It's been crazy. So if you want to uh, introduce yourself a little bit to the audience, if you want to talk about uh, a little bit about yourself so everybody can know a little bit about you. So yeah, I've been married to Brian for 12 years and I would say my gaming first started when I was growing up. I played a lot of games with my siblings. We played Monopoly and Balderdash and a lot of cards. Like yeah, like trick taking. I mean, that's, that's kind of what we did too when I was growing up. Spades is one of my favorite games and nuts or nerds as some people like to call or it. Or peanuts, I don't I guess. I don't know. I don't know if it's called peanuts. I think that's a different game. I don't know. Either way. But yeah, you grew up playing cards and, and, and board games. So, I mean, if we want to call them Monopoly board games, but that's a discussion for another time. Yes. So Brian and I then, once we got married, started playing games, Settlers and Risk, although we never, we vowed never to play Risk again in our household. Well, stuff happened. I there, mean, there were, there were words. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we have that. I don't think we have risk anymore. We no, no, uh, no. We do. We actually still have the the copy down here behind oh. us. We're, we're recording down here at the in our basement, the board gaming table, uh, with the board games behind us. But yeah, we do have risk in there. I don't think we've ever played it since that one uh, one time at the apartment. Right, not since the apartment. Oof. Uh, rough our, times. Our number one fan, Andy, got to witness that. Oh, yeah. We were playing with Andy. <laughs> well, that's how you know you have a good friend when you have a friend that's still a friend uh, after playing, playing a game like that. Uh, like I said, things happened. Uh, I'm not like that anymore. I know that's one of the hates we've talked about previously, you know, angry gamers and whatnot. But I've matured a little bit, I would say. 
Uh, I can play a game without getting mad. Yes, I can vouch for that. Um, and then, uh, so just really this summer and fall, obviously, since we started the podcast, I think you've been playing a lot more games with me, I would say. Yeah, I would say once you start getting into more hobby games and playing with the game group at lunch, you did bring some home and we'd play them. But that was few and far between. But yeah, within the last year, my games have probably quadrupled. (laughs) (laughs) At least, I would say. At least. What was the game that started it? The game that started it? Hmm. I would say really when you went to Origins and came back with some games was when we really started playing a lot. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, that was around the time, obviously, the podcast started and Instagram. Wingspan has kind of become my first love. There it is. That's what I was hinting. (laughs) I knew it was. I was just waiting for her to say it. Yes, I Uh, love Wingspan. That's definitely brought you into the fold. And we've played a lot of games uh, since then, that's for sure. But yes, uh, obviously, no spoilers, but there's definitely some games on our list that we played together. So um, that's coming up later later all right well anything else you want to share with the audience before we move on to talk about our gaming goals of 2020 i would just say that we would love to hear your gaming goals for 2020 if you want to send us a message where would that be emily you can dm me at instagram if you message the instagram account i'm one of the ones that will answer you cool all right well let's go ahead and move on and let's talk about our gaming goals of 2020 Okay, a new segment this week. We're going to be talking about board game goals. This is something that we haven't talked about on the podcast, but we thought it was uh, pretty timely given that this comes out two days before New Year's. And actually, Emily had the idea. Uh, she's a She likes doing these goals. I'm things. a huge goal setter. Yeah, we'll talk about that here in a second. But uh, it's just kind of near and dear to our hearts. Uh, I think it was uh, 2015, around New Year's, there was a podcast I was listening to, a financial podcast, and he was talking about setting goals. And th- this was a couple of days right before New Year's, actually. And he was talking about goals. Obviously, they need to be attainable and measurable and that you can plan it out. Because just saying, hey, I want to buy a house. Well, that's so huge. That's like, where do you start? You know, you break it down to attainable steps. Hey, I'm going to save up $10,000 by this date. Then if you say, well, if that $10,000 is 24 months, you could back it out saying, well, that's, I'm not going to do the math in my head because it might be embarrassing. And, um, <laughs> but, and then you just set it out saying every month I need to do this to attain my goal. And then you know if it's attainable or not, right? Is it reasonable that I can do that in that time or not? And so that that's uh, what he was talking about. But he was more talking about, hey, it should be more than just, it really should be more than finances. It should be more than just your career. And he was actually talking about it needs to be across your whole life. It needs to be like personal things, your relationships. What relationships are you going to work on this year? What are your goals with your spouse or your loved ones or your siblings or what have you? Uh, what are your goals for your work? What do you want to do? Uh, what's your goals with your kids? What's your goals for your finances? And, and it needs to be across your life and it needs to be measurable and attainable. And so with hobbies, I don't know, obviously with you, Emily, and I, I, I ask this because I know, obviously, being married to you, but hobbies, sometimes you really like hobbies, but they can just sit there for sometimes for really long periods of times before you can get to it. They're usually the first thing to go when things get crazy, which let's be honest, life is always crazy. So it's hard to make it a priority. And then it's hard to get back into it when you finally do have a little spare time, right? Yeah. For me, it feels like uh, I have a minute to breathe alone here. Like, Where do I even begin? Like, should I even 
go play video games? It feels like a waste of time, or am I even going to be able to continue on to this tomorrow or something like that? That's what it feels like for me. But um, so I, I think actually, and maybe like getting it out, getting it out on the table. Oh yeah, yeah, that can be a whole thing too. A whole fiasco. That's how I feel about sewing. I love to sew, but I got to get it out. So there's the hobby I was referring to <laughs> that I didn't say. Uh, see how this works. I so I think this is really cool. I think this is cool to do a goal for a hobby. It kind of keeps us on track. Is when we go on weeks where it is slow and we play a lot of games, those have been some of the most fun weeks I've had where you go into work and you feel energized because you got to do your hobby and got to spend time doing it. And we spent time together yes. doing it. Yeah. In fact, like we're, we've canceled, we've canceled Hulu. We're talking about canceling Netflix. And I guess we yeah. haven't even really watched any TV at all. Since we don't we have playing. cable. Uh, yeah. Since we, we haven't seen any movies. <laughs> yeah. Since we've been playing board games, it just doesn't like, yeah, I'd rather play a board game. Yes. All that to say is in 2015, we made the goal to uh, pay off our debt. I had something like 50000 55000 right. Well, I, I think we had total fifty five. I think my student loans were like 40000 We had a car payment. We had a van. Uh, some credit card debt, some other debt. Um, and some and, gutters to pay off. <laughs> no other debt, which is terrible. Hey, financing gutters, that was... Uh, that that was, was not a good idea. That was smart. Uh, but anyway, we, we decided to buckle down. We uh, we cut out a lot of things. We I got a second job. You got busier at work. We cut out a lot of extra spending and just really got on track and on the same page. It was hard. I mean, we sold a lot of really stuff. really hard. Yes, uh, I sold everything. The joke was like we came home and stuff was just missing off the wall <laughs> because Emily sold it. Sold all the decor. We don't need that riff riffraff in our lives. It's it's true. There's just like barren spots. If somebody came in, they're like, "Did somebody rob you?" No. Are you guys selling your house? Yeah, no, we're no. we're just uh, trying to get out of debt. Uh, but it actually felt a lot better too because less clutter. Less life. clutter. You know, minimalism. Sure. I mean, like our storage room was like half the house. I mean, it wasn't a big, this wasn't a big house. I think it was a, I think it was like 800 square feet uh, house and half of the basement was, was uh, storage, which the storage was really nice. Problem is when you have a lot of storage like that, you accumulate. You don't get rid of anything. No, you don't. So we got, we went through a lot of it. So it was really nice to get rid of, through that. But once Emily got through her teeth on that. About halfway through the year, we were seeing a lot of progress because we had a second job. You're we selling all that stuff, and you're like, "Well, what else could we sell?" Yeah, <laughs> and that's when the stuff started disappearing. Yeah, we sold our van. That was one thing. Yeah, a I mean, giant that was a, thing. That was a big thing. But yeah, we sold some furniture. Of course, we had a baby at this time, but I was selling everything that he was growing out of, mm -hmm. which actually works really well. Mm -hmm. But anyway, all to say, it was a lot of hard work, but we, we actually did it in one year on New Year's Eve. I called into Iowa Student Loans and uh, got the payoff amount and paid it. And yeah, it was it was amazing. It was amazing. It was, it was a the best New Year's Eve ever. It was a great feeling. Never want to do it again. Day. It was it was a great day. It was a great year. Uh, <laughs> never want to do it again, though. That was a no. hard work. A lot We're never work. going back ever. No, uh, not again. So anyway, I share all this just to say that sometimes your goals, you never know where it can take you. You never, obviously it was difficult when we set that out, but you never know where it's going to take you and where it could lead you after. Um, we are so short-sighted of hey, we're going to get out of debt that we, I mean, we knew that there was some really good benefits after the fact, but we really didn't get to think that far because we were so, felt like in the weeds, in the mm -hmm. ditch. 
that uh, the things that have transpired since has really opened a lot of doors and a lot of opportunities for us in yes. our life and for our son that uh, we we couldn't even imagine that. So I know something just as simple or silly as it seems as a, a goal for hobbies might seem kind of silly, but you just never know the, the, the things that could transpire from it. Even doing this, how much it might alleviate stress or other things from your life because you're focusing on a hobby that maybe you can spend some more energy on, on another part of your life. So anyway, I just encourage you to set some goals for yourself across uh, all the different aspects of your life, and you never know what will happen here. I'm not saying you're going to get rich or anything, but hey, I think no matter what your life's enriched, you've uh, practiced discipline. I think discipline is something that is hard to uh, do, and it's something that you have to practice out on a daily level. The more you do it, the better at it you get. And the easier it gets. Yes. For sure. All right. So that was seven and a half minutes of talking about goals. So let's go ahead and actually talk about what our gaming goals now. We can go back to the lighter side of things. So Emily, what is your first goal for gaming this year? My first goal is to play 200 games. And I will preface that by saying not 200 unique games. You're just going to play games 200 times. 200 plays. So it could be the same Of games. any game. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which I mean average things out. Which right? is still way more than what I was have done any years previous. Oh, sure. And and so that could be like light games, heavy games, a, a big mixture. Yeah. yeah. So that, that'll be about three to four games a week on average. <laughs> is that what it is when you break it down? Yeah, I did Ooh. the math. Yikes. Well, I'm feeling a little uh, sheepish on mine. So, because I uh, I saw your 200, I'm like, well, I have to do better than that, right? <laughs> well, of course. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I I have a game group that I could play games two times a week at work well, on yeah. top of what we're going to play. You, if your goal is lower than mine, it'd be pretty weak sauce. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, I kind of felt like I had to step up here. So my goal for this year is 250 games. Again, like Emily, it's not unique games. This is just plays of games. Now... I did add one in here that you didn't have. I'm going to set a goal of 125 unique games. Now, does this have to be new games to you? No, unique games. That okay. means of the 250 games, there's 125 separate and different games of those. Now, okay. a lot of them are going to be new, let's, let's be honest. Well, we I'm, do have quite a bit of shrink wrap around here. <laughs> Guilty as charged. <laughs> so that's uh, that's my goal. Uh, what's your What's your other goal? My other goal is to play a legacy game. We recently played the Scythe Rise of Finneris expansion, which has a legacy feel to it. Well, it's a campaign. It's not legacy. Like, just for those who don't know, like, legacy would be more defined as something where the game's permanent, like, the game state is permanently changing as you play through games. I.e., a lot of legacy games have you tearing up cards, having you alter the board game, alter the rules. And when you get through the whole game, your game looks different than any other person that plays a legacy game because there's a lot of choices and things could have happened. So that'd be the definition of legacy. And in the case of Fenris, it was it was more of a campaign uh, where we went through it. Right. Right. Yes. I do like that aspect of having the game be a little bit different every time and you're moving through kind of like a storyline. Yep. And so that's what interests me about the legacy games. I would really be interested in Machi Koro or Pandemic Legacy. Well, let's go ahead and segue into my uh, goals because I saw yours. I cheated. Uh, you went first on your on the notes <laughs> on here. So I, this has been on my 
my board game shelf for three years almost. So my 30th birthday, Emily set up some huge like surprises. It was a sweet, it was just like an awesome day. It was a whole weekend. It, it was basically surprises. a whole weekend. Yeah, one whole day of just cool stuff. And then I thought it was pretty much... She invited uh, a bunch of the guys from of the game group to come over and surprise me. I had no idea. And so they came over and we played a bunch of board games all night. It was it was a lot of fun. And then they actually all uh, bought me Pandemic Legacy Season 1. Uh, that's been sitting on my shelf now for three years. How old are you going to be next month? I'm going to be 34 next month. So it's going to be four years at the end of January. Uh, I've just been waiting for the right time. Because the problem with these Legacy games, you have to have the right, the same people yes. with it from week to week you can't like just substitute people out and in so it's it's a time commitment for everybody and then you have to play consistently uh with pandemic legacy season one it requires at least 12 playthroughs because you're playing through a year if you fail a month then you have a chance to replay it so if you're really really bad at it it's 24 plays if you're really good at it it's 12 plays and so uh it's it's on my shelf of shame it's like a top 10 game of all time on board game. i think it's a top five game on board game geek i really want to play it so i'm gonna play through pandemic legacy this year boom done so uh sorry Corey. i know you really want to play it but if uh if you've we had He's had almost four years. <laughs> we might have to two-player this one and or get Andy in on this. Because yes. uh, I know I think he was interested, which also rolls into playing through Risk Legacy. I have had that like seven years, I think. Maybe that's the one Andy should play with us. Bring the gang back together from the apartment. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> this time, no uh, board flipping. No. Um, no words. <laughs> things will not happen. But, you know, no, I I think I, I know he really wants to play that. And uh, we were just talking about the other night when he was over, the just setting up times to do that. So I'm going to get through Risk Legacy as well this year. So I'm going to get through both. That's the goal. I almost put Gloomhaven on it, but that's a little... That's a little bold. Well, that's dependent on other people. Yeah, it's a little that's, bold. It's that's hard to set a goal that's dependent on other people. Well, especially since we already started it. Yeah. So that's a little ballsy. But I'd love to get through Gloomhaven because Frosthaven comes out in the Kickstarter next year. And I'm definitely back at that. All right. The last thing is I'm going to purge games. I've been talking about it for some time. Haven't no. done it. I've had a lot of time off. I'm going to purge it because I am running out of space. I have games on top of these shelves and huge stacks. I don't think that should be our year goal. I think it should be like... Your January goal or February goal. Okay, okay. See, this is what I get for bringing her on here. I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> put yourself on a deadline. It makes it easier. I uh, See what I have to... No, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do well, it. I'll get her done. I don't think that you're. we need to be concerned about not having enough games. Uh, I, I'm not, that's not my concern. It's just room. space. It's space. room. It's room. Uh, but there's games like Settlers of Catan. I haven't played in like eight, nine years. So We have the old version. Yeah, we do. We have the classic version. Not the Catan, but Settlers of Catan by Mayfair Games. It's not even in business anymore. So that's my goals for this year. It doesn't maybe not seem lofty, but uh, for me it is. I think, I think I've well, already got a lot of games in this last year, and I just want to continue that progress. They should push you a little bit. Right, challenge you. It's not a goal. But not be so far out there that you can't reach them. Right, I didn't go over 365, meaning I'd play a game every day. That would be difficult. That would be super hard. Yeah. So, all right. Well, that uh, that's our games uh, goals for 2020. Uh, if you have any on yourself, send them in, right? Am- yeah, definitely. DM us on Instagram or you can message us on Facebook and there's always email. We would love to hear what your goals are 
for the year. And then maybe we could kind of walk this journey together. And then we'll uh, shout you out and call you out uh, publicly to shame you for not doing your, I mean, to make sure you're on track for your goals. That's what I meant. Accountability. Yeah, that's what I meant. Also, if you have played any of the legacy games, let us know which one is your favorite and which one we should play. Maybe let the fans decide. Yeah, that'd be cool. That'd be cool. All right. Well, that wraps up that. All right. Well, we're back on to what's on our table. A unique situation happened this week, as in the games I played are the same games Emily's played. So (laughs) I had to uh, dig deep here and then I had to pull up my app and realize that, well, I actually did play games at work. So that's what I had to do. So, Emily, what's been on our table this week? And I say our table because it literally has been on our table. Well, you introduced me to Dice Forge, which is a game where you create your own dice during the game, which I've never seen that before in components. So that was a really fun mechanic. Yeah, I think we reviewed that back on, I don't know, was the episode like four or something like that? Yeah. A long time ago. Check it out maybe uh, if you want to. Those early episodes are rough. But uh, so what do you think of the, what did you think overall of the game? I really liked it. I thought it was really fun. I would like to play it again. I liked making my own dice and kind of putting the pieces where I wanted to put them. Except for when you're flicking in, it was flying off. I had the hardest time getting those faces <laughs> off. I don't know why. Like at one point, she flips and it just like disappears. I'm like, where, where is that? It like went behind her and it was like across the room. And like game took forever because it took 20 minutes to find it. We had to get a special screwdriver out. That's true. We did. We actually did. <laughs> Uh, But no, overall, I think it was pretty approachable. It was pretty easy to learn, I think. Yeah, I thought so. I thought it was fairly easy to learn. Fairly intuitive, right? I mean, because the main gimmick on this is replacing your dice face. Like, that makes sense. And if I remember correctly, I beat you, right? I don't think so. I don't know. Maybe you need to check your app. Uh, oh, it got lost on my gameplay. Okay, moving on to my play this week. <laughs> Likely story. Yeah, uh, is uh, yeah, it was her first time too. That was, anyway. <laughs> I I have beating been beating him more and more lately. Well, you just brag a little bit. I will. Uh, it's not about winning, Emily. It's about the gameplay experience and the time we spend together. I'm just. It's too bad you're focused so much on winning all the time. Okay. Um, All right, so this week I played Bang the Dice Game. It's the Undead expansion. I picked this up at Gen Con this last summer and just now got it to uh, the table because I kind of forgot I bought it, actually. I I got some purchases from uh, the Black Friday I was putting away, and I realized, oh, here's uh, the Undead expansion I have forgot that I bought. And so I brought it into work, and we got it played. And it it was actually a lot of fun. Uh, If if you haven't played, uh, Bang is actually a card game. It's a spaghetti western type of game where you have hidden roles with the sheriff and the vice deputy. You got outlaws and renegades, and everybody's trying to shoot each other. Uh, it's It's a pretty good card game. It's a player elimination. It goes a little long. It can be really swingy. So they actually made a dice game version of it, which is a lot quicker. Games go 15 to 30 minutes. It's it's just go, go, go. It's a lot of fun. Um, I really like the dice game. It's I think it's better than the card game, but uh, they've made one other expansion called the Old Saloon, which was really good. Like, really, really good expansion. Almost, I, we didn't play it without it. It was that good. It's a great it's, game. It's a great game. And then they made the third game, uh, The Undead, where 
Um, the the shtick with this is when somebody dies, a zombie apocalypse could happen. Well, so the, of course. Yeah, because I mean, it's on Dead or Alive expansion. So there's zombie cards that come out. And if there's more value of those zombie cards than a live player, a zombie apocalypse breaks out. And so regardless of who you are for the live players, uh, you're now on the same team. So an outlaw can now be on the same team as the sheriff. And mm. now the win conditions change where they have to kill the undead. And if there's a renegade alive, they're the, actually the undead master, the zombie master who's trying to kill them. <laughs> and the zombies, and the, yeah, it's 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 silly. Um, and then there's a duel, there's new dice where they add duels so you can duel each other. Um, uh, just some other mechanics. I mean, small tweaks. I mean, it's not major gameplay changes, but it really does add to it. And then the last thing is they add this rage mechanic that if you get hit or shot more than twice. Then you can take a rage card, and the rage card gives you an extra dive guaranteed die face on your turn, which really adds a little more swinging. So if you're getting real picked on and get shot multiple times, you're like, "Well, I'm gonna I get three rage cards, and you're gonna die next turn." Uh, so it's a lot of fun. It's a, it's a great game, a very lighthearted game, bang the dice game, and this just adds more to it. As someone that has died often in that game, I like the mechanic that you can come back. Well, I mean, that you can stay in the game. Sure, in the old saloon expansion, add the ghost, but the ghost really just rolled and gave somebody a dice face, like on your team. Eh, you couldn't really do anything. But the zombie yeah. one, you come back. Now you can't heal. You can still die if you die again. You're out, but you can actually shoot people. You get some dice and you can shoot. And but it gives you a second chance. Yeah, you're and, not just automatically out. Yeah, and you're zombies, which is pretty yeah. cool. You try yeah. to kill the life people. Yeah. It's unique. It's fun. Um, so pretty cool. Not a bad expansion. Nice little twist on the game. And you actually can combine it with the old saloon. So we did that. Like, the game took like 50 minutes to play. It's, what? Yeah, it really extended the game. But we had a lot of fun. It's definitely for those who are veteran to that game. And uh, I mean, it's just a great lunch game or a great party game because you can get up to eight people. So anyway, that was uh, Bang the Dice Game Undead or Alive expansion. All right, Emily, ready to talk about Viticulture? Yes. All right, let's do this. This week, the games we play reviews Viticulture. Gotta get, gotta get those tannins. Yeah. Uh, for those who don't know, because I had to look it up, Viticulture is about winemaking, apparently, right? <laughs> Cheers. Is that what the official dev? I don't know. Yes, you're a winemaker. There we go. You play a winemaker. All right, Emily, you want to talk about uh, Viticulture? Give us a little overview. In Viticulture, the players find themselves in roles of people in rustic, pre-modern Tuscany who have inherited meager vineyards. They have a few plots of land and an old crush pad, a tiny cellar, and three workers. They each have a dream of being the first to call their winery a true success. The players are in the position of determining how they want to allocate their workers throughout the year. Every season is different on a vineyard, so the workers have different tasks they can take care of in the summer and winter. There's competition over those tasks, and often the first worker to get to the job has an advantage over the subsequent workers. Fortunately for the players, people love to visit wineries and it just so happens that many of those visitors are willing to help out around the vineyard when they visit as long as you assign a worker to take care of them. Their visits in the form of cards are brief but can be very helpful. Using those workers and visitors, players can expand their vineyards by building structures, planting vines which are in the form of vine cards, and filling wine orders by using 
using wine order cards. Players work towards the goal of running the most successful winery in Tuscany. All right, thanks, Emily. Uh, so I actually, before we get into the how to play, I just want to set what we actually played here. So we played the Viticulture Essential Edition. A little history about this, actually. Viticulture came out by, this is by Stonemeyer Games, and this came out on a Kickstarter. Not only did it, was it the Viticulture, but it was also Tuscan expansion came out uh, via Kickstarter. And then I believe Jamie Stegmeyer, the, the designer and uh, the, the guy who runs Stonemeyer Games, huge fan, by the way, and he decided to kind of revamp it because there's some, I don't know, if issues or balance. I don't know what the full story here. All I know is he kind of revamped both Viticulture and the Tuscany expansion. Yes. And, and he, that's why they're called the Essential Edition now. He took a lot of parts of the Tuscany expansion and put them in the Essential Edition base game. Like, gotcha. Like the mamas and papas cards are from the Tuscany ex- original Tuscany s- expansion. Okay. And there were some rules that were only in the Tuscany expansion that he brought to the base game. Gotcha. Instead. And then I think they had the Automa. Uh, yes, the Automa. Because that's kind of Stonemeyer's thing now is they have this Automa, which yeah. is like a single player variant for all his games. Which the Automa started with Viticulture. Oh, is this the first one? He that's did? where the name Automa came from. Oh, Italy. hey, trivia. I tell you. There we go. So anyway, I just want to let you know, we did play the Essential Editions. Uh, I think that's all you can get when you buy this game. But if you happen to be an old Kickstarter uh, for this game, you might have the regular edition. And I think they had upgrade packs to the Essential Edition, which then gets it in line with uh, the copy we played. So I just want to throw that out there because there's two copies floating out there. You can only buy the most recent one. All right, so in this game, this is a worker placement game. So you do start with three workers like you said. So on the base board, there are uh, really, there is four technical seasons, but uh, really on two of the seasons is you place workers. So you start the spring where you get to place uh, your turn order, what they call, what, what do they call that, the wake up order yes and that wake up order obviously uh, determines player position also determines some bonuses and and whatnot and then on the summer then you actually play some workers so there's a bunch of actions that are available to you um there's three spots per action depending on the number of players so like two players you can only play in the left most three to four players you can play in the middle and left and then five to six players you can play in all three of them in any of the given spots there could be a bonus that you could get on top of the action so you might put it on there take the action and get a bonus like a extra coin or extra card or what have you and so you're going to be doing things like harvest or planting grapes you're going to be uh giving tours to give money you're going to be drawing cards you're going to be playing cards those kinds of things and then when you get over to the fall then you get to draw a card so you could be drawing one of the visitor cards that are give they're like action cards let's you know they give you special bonuses and stuff like that so you need to the card they usually kind of change the rules a little bit or give you discounts that kind of stuff do you do special things and then on the winter then is your last place that you can put your workers and they also have things like you can you can make wine you can uh, sell wine or fulfill wine orders like they say and there's a bunch of other things you can do just miscellaneous um but that just keeps going and then you go back to the turn order and and, and just keep going until somebody hits it's 20 victory points and to win the game. 
So throughout this game, you have your own tableau where you're gonna be building up your vineyard. You could be planting grape cards that you're acquiring. So one of the cards that you get are grape cards. So you could, they have different values, either showing red grapes or, or white grapes, and you can place them in your vineyards. Uh, you can do things like build structures in your vineyard. So you can build like a yoke, which allows you to harvest, um, which gives you a special action on your board. There's things that upgrade so when you give quote unquote tours, which is one of the actions you get extra bonuses. Um, there's things that like trellises and, and irrigation that allow you to plant certain types of grapes, which are more powerful than others, but they require those buildings to be built. Most importantly, you can build cellars. So you can upgrade your cellars, which allow you to build and get better and bigger wine and also allows you to create different types of wines other than red and white. You can start creating blushes or even, I think it's champagne sparkling, sparkling, quote unquote sparkling, because champagne <laughs> is a certain part in Italy yes. or France or something like that, because we're in Italy right now. Uh, right, Italy or is this France? Italy. Italy. So we're in Tuscany, Italy, because uh, I totally knew that. Nailed it. Um, <laughs> so anyway, that's the whole point of the game is you're, you're, you're trying to harvest them, these grapes that you plant. You get these grapes on your tableau that you track uh, for white and red. They have different values to show the aging. Then you can transport those grapes into wine, into your cellar. And again, they have different values based on aging. And then which allows you to fulfill these wine orders, which are these cards saying, hey, you need an aged wine of, of value seven of red and then maybe aged wine of three of, of white for example and then you you'd spend your wine and then you'd get the victory points and then you'd get some residual income which allows you every turn then back then you get some extra coins that you get uh, and that's basically the highlight of the game did i miss anything emily that you think is important that people that should sounds know sounds pretty much pretty much right on so i pretty much nailed it yeah nailed it Nailed it. <laughs> All right. So now that you know how to play, quote unquote, I mean, there's a lot more to this, right? There's a lot yes. of different rules. There's and a lot I would of say read the instructions, obviously. Obviously. Yeah. Don't listen to me for the how to play. That's what Rodney Smith does. Not our job. Yeah. But I'm just trying to give you an idea of how the game kind of plays. Um, I should give you kind of kind of feel how this game plays through. So let's talk about the artwork on this, Emily. So what what did you think about the artwork of Viticulture? I think it's, it's well done. I like the art on the board. I like the art on the tableau. And... The way that the wine looks, the glasses of wine, the crush pad, the the grapes on the cards. I mean, because your tableau actually feels like it's a, a like a winery. Yeah, you it's, can totally like it, it. Looks like you are a winemaker, and you're looking at your business plan and making the wines. And, and even even the cards that go on top of it for like your vineyard, like it blends in with the artwork perfectly. Like, yeah, it. it's really cool. Yes, um, it definitely gives you kind of an Italian type feel because mm -hmm. I totally said. Italy and not France uh, earlier. It gives you a total Italy yes, feel, not I a think France feel. The first time we played it, we listened to Frank Sinatra and that Pandora station. But yeah, I agree. The tableau art is fantastic. It matches with the board. The board has a lot of extra work artwork on it because really the board is just a bunch of spots that sit, have wording saying do this, like play a card, yeah. or do this. And there's a lot of empty space if you took all that away. So the background's really uh, looks really good. It, it feels like it's Italy. It kind of you can even see it transition through the season yeah. so the leftmost board looks like it's spring to the right side looks like it's winter over these lands so it's kind of cool how it transitions but it's not it's not like overly distracting i would say yeah um the takeaway calming relaxing like you're on vacation or something yeah so I think just aesthetically, it looks great. The only thing is the those mama and papa cards, it's creepy faces. 
<laughs> and it is a little bit creepy when you get an older papa and a younger mama. <laughs> like, well, let's not talk about that. <laughs> That's a little weird. Yeah. A little uh, weird. She's just talking about there's these the mama and papa cards that during setup you get them. Um, and the mama papa cards tell you what you started with, like how many workers, how much money, how many, what cards you get, that kind of stuff. Yeah. When I was reading about the game, actually, that's your inheritance to start the game with. Ah, so you're starting your winemaking business off of the inheritance that your mamas and papas left you. So like they said, meager, very meager. Yes, very meager. Start out with zero victory They had points. nothing to yeah, give those jerks, no victory points. <laughs> Not <laughs> uh, but anyway, so artwork really good. I really yeah. like it. Um, it is kind of the 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 art of the uncanny. I don't know if you heard of that. Where like sometimes when like digitally, if they're trying to recreate human faces and stuff, it's like um, it's not. It's it's just a little off, so it seems uncanny. Some of the cards, like with the people, like with the smiling, it's like creepy almost, like yeah. a little unsettling. But it's not bad. But yeah. it's just it's funny. There's a couple times it I'll is kind of funny. Yeah, no, it's true. Some I, of the people on the cards for sure. I laughed uh, a couple times, but overall, artwork really good. Yes, yeah. really, really cements the theme. I would say. Like, oh yeah. Okay, so rule book. You've played this uh, Automa. You said yes. you played the single player. You played this with me, two players. You played three and four pair players. Yes. And you've actually taught this game. Yeah. To a three other players. Yeah. So I think you've looked at the rule book more than I, and I think I read through the rule book with you to teach the game, mm-hmm. or for me to learn and teach you. So, what do you think of the rule book on on this game? Again, we're talking base, uh, just viticulture. I thought it was written fairly well. I did have to read the Automa one a couple of times to kind of really figure out what they were trying to say with the cards and how to turn them. Okay. But for the most part, I would say that it, I got it while reading through it. Okay. I don't have a lot to compare it to. So, but you were able to play it, obviously, and understand yeah. it. And, then- and for me to teach a game is kind of a huge deal. <laughs> Something I'm learning how to do. Sure. So that was kind of a big deal that we actually played by me teaching it. So No, I, I did get a text, I think, at one point from you asking about like selling grapes off or something. And I, I we had it'd been weeks since we played this. Yeah. And for some reason I remembered, but that was about it, right? Yeah. Yeah. For the most part, you could ask the people I played with, but for the most part, I think it went fairly well. That's good. Yeah. So you, you think it was easy to understand? I yeah. mean, there's pictures throughout it. There's card examples it talked through. There's a lot of pictures through it. Yeah. You can always look back at the rule book while you're playing. So Yeah. And there's actually a nice summary on the back. So for the big topics like harvesting, winemaking, aging, some of those that can seem a little fiddly the first time you play, mm-hmm. the back actually explains it all in detail on how to do it, which is kind of yeah. nice. One thing I really like about the game is that it does flow with the process of making wine. So it's going to make sense while making wine, like the rules make sense with the process. Sure, sure. It's just like with a couple of things with the harvesting, like adding the value of the grapes, the yeah. making wine and stuff. That's what I meant by a little fiddly that you kind of have to look it up to remember. It's not incredibly intuitive per se. Like you're just, oh, hey, do yeah. this and this. Like situations came up. I'm like, I was asking you because I couldn't remember. No, but overall, I think it's it's really good. It's another Stonemeier uh, game where the rule books, uh, a lot of pages, but it's more because it's really in depth and really covers everything mm-hmm. and has a lot of information in it. Yeah. With a lot of pictures. I think it's just really well done personally. So yeah. 
Uh, rule book, I would say two thumbs up on this. All right, so components. I was going to call you Chris. Uh, so components, <laughs> Emily. Uh, what do you think about the components in this game? I really like that they fit with the theme of the game. Your victory point tracker piece is a cork. The wake up tracker piece is a rooster. Oh, yeah. So I forgot about that. That's kind of like waking up. And then uh, the all of the structures that you're building are in the shape of a trellis and an irrigation and a cellar. They really the fit. yoke looked like a yoke. Yeah. And, no, you're right. And they're all wooden, like... Um, even the meeples kind of look like worker. I mean, I mean, it's a worker, worker, but it doesn't look like a meeple per se, but it actually looks like a worker, like a person with like a worker yeah. hat on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even the El Guapo guy, the big worker. The grande. The grande. I always call him fatty, but the, the <laughs> big guy, the big one. There's another worker that's big that allows you to place it. Wherever you want. Yeah. If somebody else has already placed it there, normally you can't place another worker there because somebody already grabbed it, but you can place them there and instead. Uh, and take the action as well. So what I really liked about the components, yeah, so the meeples and the wood stuff was was really good. A lot of it actually were similar pieces to Scythe, actually. Yes. So the cork you're saying about is the exact same shape as the recruit, uh, if anybody's place uh, is played Scythe. But, I mean, like, yeah. the rooster and the workers were different. But anyway, just yeah. it, I lo- even with the Tuscany with the stars, it was the same one as Scythe. I also love the clear... That, well, that's what I was going to say. Jewel. Yeah. yeah. Would you call them jewels? They're they're like, uh, I don't know if they're rocks. They're plastic, but they make them. No, look, they're glass. Are they, They're not actual glass. They feel glass. I mean, I think they're plastic that look and feel like glass. They're they're hefty, but I don't think it's real glass. I think if you throw it, it's not going to crack. Oh. Let's not test it out. But no, I think you're right. They're like teardrop almost like round and flat on the bottom. Yeah. And they actually, they're made in a way that magnifies what's under it. Yeah. So you put them. When you harvest your field, you put them on top of your crush pad to show what number of grapes you have. And then that's what you take and then make wine from them. And they go into your wine cellar to show what wines you have. Yeah. And, and they're really cool because it really does magnify what's under it when you're like looking down on it. It's, it those are that's my favorite component actually mm-hmm. of, of the game the cards are good i mean they're normal card stock i don't say they're anything special but they're not cheap uh board game the the board's good i mean mm-hmm. not, it's it's still my your quality. tableau is like a thicker cardboard yeah it's not going to be flimsy like we did we had with uh call to adventure um, yeah yeah it's definitely thick um the other thing i just want to point out is the insert cut nice custom insert in the game mm-hmm. where each bet I mean, this is Stonemeyer. They always provide more baggies. I I have a collection of probably thirty or forty baggies up here, and I think they all come from Stonemeyer Games because they give you more bags than you need. So I still like bag things a lot separately, but I still end up with extra bags. So I'm not sure what they actually intended. Uh, but with this, there's like even spots. So each of the bags for all your wood components for each color for the player. Um, they all have like a little separate square hole that you put it in the insert. There's spots for all the cards mm-hmm. and then all the boards lay down real nice and flat, nothing bent. Uh, so the, yeah, I just wanted to include that cause that's part of the components I think and it is really good with it. Stonemeyer always yeah. does really well with all the inserts and stuff. Because they're awesome. Yeah. We're, we're big fans. I am boys. a fan girl. <laughs> Uh, all right, so let's uh, talk, stop talking about components here. Let's talk about likes. So let's get to the meat of this. What are your likes about this game, Emily? I love the theme of it. I think it's so fun to be a winemaker and harvest my grapes and crush the grapes and then make the wine. And I really like the art of it. 
I like how you're kind of escaping to Italy while playing. Cool. Yeah, I don't know what to do with that because this is funny because obviously I'm used to recording with Chris and yeah. and, and Corey <laughs> or Corey. We we definitely uh, view games a lot differently. Yeah. Um, that's fine. I, that's that's great. It's just different because I don't know that's how to. Fine. Re- <laughs> no, it's great. I don't know how to respond to it though because I can't necessarily relate. Like. The, the theme's fine for me. I mean, I'm not really big into wine. Obviously, you are. I bought you Viticulture yes, wine glasses which for the game plays better if you're drinking wine out of Viticulture wine glasses. I mean, I'm not necessarily sure that's true, but it works. In this, you did. Uh, no, I beat you. You lost you did. more with I, the Viticulture wine I glasses. I did lose. It was bad. No, but for likes, uh, I, I good worker placement. I, I like worker placement games. I'm starting to find I like worker placements yeah. a lot more. I do like that you get that grande worker. I keep calling him yeah. Guapo for some reason. The big guy. The chunky. He's chunky. Uh, the chunky worker. No, I really like that worker because it, even if you get blocked off from another player, you still have the opportunity to take an action. Yes. So it's maybe if you really, really need to fill that wine card or make that wine this turn, you can do it. You can just have to plan ahead and make sure you don't use them elsewhere. Um, I do like the limited resources because obviously you only get three workers in the game. You have the ability to train workers. Mm-hmm. And you can get maximum six, but it costs some money. So there's a lot of planning you have to do. You can't do everything you want. You yeah. can't build all the structures on your board. You can't make all the wine cards. You can't get all your work. You have to like balance and really choose because money is really hard to come by in this yeah. game. And the cards are really good, but at the same time, it's like wasting a worker to draw a card and then to play a card too is really mm-hmm. a hard balance where maybe it might be better. So there's a lot of options in this game. That's what I really like. There's a lot of options, a lot of strategy yeah. to get those 20 victory points points to win to the trigger the end game and win the game uh, 20 points doesn't seem like a lot but it, it's doable and it actually takes a lot longer you want um, i definitely think this is not an inflated game like victory points one victory point is worth a lot in this yeah game. you have to work hard for each victory point and even the cards that give you victory points like you have to sacrifice a lot like it'll be like hey you have to discard four <laughs> cards you're like oh man. yeah really four cards um but it, it makes some tough decisions and there's a lot of strategy um, involved which I, I really like about it i also like that there's multiple ways to win multiple ways to, to get, get those victory, victory points, points. Mm-hmm. yes yeah i agree uh maybe more so in tuscany but again we'll talk about that uh speaking of the base game unless you had any more likes no i'm good all right let's talk about dislikes i'm gonna go ahead first because i know you're a bigger fan of this first time we played this is we played viticulture the base game i'm not gonna lie i didn't have as much fun with this game at all and i actually didn't really want to i know play it again thus me playing anima (laughs) <laughs> yes. No, again, we played two player. It might change with four <laughs> yes. or five, but it's sounding from the talking to you. I don't think it does. The issue is the cards in the base game, there's a lot of variants and there's some cards that are more powerful than others, which is fine. I'm not saying they're overpowered because they all kind of balance out. My point being, though, is if you get some good combinations, you can really get a lead and it's hard to catch up in this game. And uh, if you fall behind, it's really obviously hard to catch up in this game. Also, just the limited options. You only have two seasons to do workers. If you don't get that wake up or order early and the other player beats it to some of those, it's really hard to get some things done. Sometimes you feel kind of stuck. You're like, I really need to buy the structure because I'm holding all these great cards that require irrigation. 
but I don't have six gold coins to buy irrigation. What do I do? That's really, really hard to overcome. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like there's as many options. And again, we'll talk about Tuscany here at the end. I don't think there's that were that many options in the base game. And so I liked other worker placements better. I liked Everdale is a better worker placement than the base game of Viticulture, personally. I much rather play that game than this game. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, uh, Everdale theme is a lot more attractive than viticulture but i'm i don't really care for wine i don't drink wine at all right um that that kind of italy thing yeah it's not interesting to me so that the theme didn't really capture me theme doesn't necessarily make it bad or good it just doesn't capture me Mm -hmm. i'll still play a game if the theme doesn't capture me but the the game didn't necessarily capture me so that was kind of my dislikes is just sometimes you felt trapped i didn't like there wasn't not enough options personally and then it was a little too swingy with some of the cards i thought Mm -hmm. it came down a little as some of the listeners may know i i I dislike the whole lucky part sometimes it just really came down to the combination of cards you happen to draw and that drove me crazy you have to get a specific wine filling card like when you're oh, filling yeah. orders. Yeah, and you have a maximum hand limit of seven. So mm-hmm. you're drawing all these wine cards and you're just wasting turns drawing cards. And you're getting cards that you, you don't have and grapes you for. technically can most of the time only fill one in one turn. Right. In one year. And so that's not very much. And the hard thing is is the, in the winter is where you draw the wine card and where you fill yes. the wine card. So And you have to save your worker for that. So you have to wait. You have to save workers not only to fill a wine card but to draw a card, and then you're like, "Well, I have this really all this wine here, but I don't have a fill card. Mm-hmm. Well, I have to go draw another one, hoping I top deck something. And then if you don't, well, what's this other worker going to do? Right? Yeah, that's, could, I could have used it back in summer I, to draw a card. I ran into that when we were playing this last time in Tuscany. Yes. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about it a little bit more here. We'll we'll kind of do a pendum because I think Tuscany actually fixes a lot of those problems. One of my dislikes for this game is that it can be slow to start. And when I drew my mama's and papa's card with this one that we just played, I didn't get any money to start with. And so that made it really difficult in the beginning for me to get going. Yeah, yeah, but you did get a structure, six structure for free, though. Yeah, but it didn't really help me in the beginning because I didn't have any wine in my True. Yeah, it was a structure that gave you an extra victory point if you had wine in your cellar. When you you go to give a tour, right? A wine tour, Mm -hmm. which is about the only primary way you can get money in the base game. Yeah, so if you have wine in your cellar, it gives you a victory point. Each time you give a tour yeah. for the action, yeah, it's kind of a bonus. Yeah. It just sometimes can feel slow to start, hard to get going, to get your engine building. Yeah, I can see that. Any other dislikes for you? I feel that there is different ways to get victory points, but if you don't get the right wine order cards that we were talking about, that it would be one of my dislikes. That's kind of chancy. Yeah, yeah. A lot of randomness to mm-hmm. it. You just you hope to top deck the yeah. right card. So that is one of my dislikes. Yeah, definitely. All right. So before we get into the review, let's just talk about we, we played Tuscany. So what the what the Tuscany game actually added is it added actions for all four seasons. Yeah. On, on the base game, you only had two seasons. Uh, well, I mean, there's four seasons, but the two seasons are just drawing cards. Mm-hmm. This actually adds four seasons. Now, it moves around actions, and so some of the seasons only have less actions, but... They also then moved around the bonuses. So when you play a two-player game, there's and the first person to get on that space, even on a three, four, five, six, or uh, six-player game, gets extra bonuses, which really adds to it. On some of them, not all of them. No, 
you're correct, but yeah. on, on some of them, because on the base game, none of the first spots ever had a bonus. Right. Which, yeah. Which would also be kind of weird. Uh, anyway, which actually then puts more emphasis on this wake up call thing or the wake up order. Yeah. So the wake up order in this is a lot better, I think, mm-hmm. because how the wake up order works on this is we we select which which row we have, and each one get, you get bonuses. Then when you pass into uh, the the summer, the fall, the, the winter, next season. and it's printed on the board. And so whatever row you pick, then you get that. And obviously then you secure your row, but then the turn order happens is that if you're the lowest number, you get less bonuses through the seasons, but you get to go first in each of the seasons. And so that, That's a big deal. It is a big deal. One. So basically it's like, well, I'll, I'll play once or whatever. I'll pass. So you pass. You all the other players didn't keep playing until every single person passes on to the summer, right? For example, if it's a first spring going spring going summer, then the person who's a wake up call lowest then starts summer again, and then they go until they everybody passes. Then they get to go in fall first, and they get to go in winter, which is really nice because what happens in viticulture, and then we kind of talked about this, is I felt like. Sometimes you are pressured to retire or pass into the next season earlier than the other player, even though you want to still take actions. Mm-hmm. And so I felt like to really advance and be competitive, you were at a disadvantage by taking more actions in the earlier season because the turn order of getting to the yeah. next season earlier, which is kind of weird. It's kind of dumb. Yeah. Um, I like this a lot better because it really then it really evened it out and it kind of took the whole like who, who passes first out of the out of it completely. It's whoever gets the turn order, which um, I, I like that a better. And then there's planned. There's a lot more different bonuses you can get. So there's ones that you can get a coin. So if you're one coin short that you need in winter, you know, you can get that one coin before it. So you can actually plan ahead a lot yeah. more. Mm hmm. And there's a lot more wine cards and more card drawing in that, I think. Mm-hmm. So honestly, once I stopped, I stopped getting green cards and summer cards because I didn't need them. I was really focusing on the winter cards and the winery cards. By then, the game half my or my whole hand was wine cards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I really didn't have the problem of having top deck wine yeah. cards. I I at the end of the game, I could have fulfilled three or four of my wine cards. Yes. No problem. I yeah. I just went with the best. I value. wish there was extra spots to fill wine orders. Yeah. No, I, I wouldn't disagree with that. Um, also, they added structures. Yes. So the structures I really like. They're really powerful cards that you can build. They're a little structure cards. Structure cards. So and it comes with an uh, extension. An extension for your player tableau yep. to place the structure cards. And you get two structures. Mm-hmm. And you can blow them up. There's an action to blow them up, but you have to place a worker. But man, they're really good. Like mine, normally you can only harvest one field. Mine was, well, whenever you harvest one field, you actually get to harvest all three, which was huge. I didn't have to waste guys to go harvest. You had to go um, do that. But anyway, they're really powerful cards that are really good. And I think it, that actually ramped up the game way faster. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because I got that in like turn one or mm-hmm. two. Yeah. Um, and then the last thing is they added some unique workers where there's like a worker with like a overalls and then and there's like one of the bonnet just to keep track of it mm-hmm. and two random worker cards come out. And so when you go to train a new worker, you can spend one coin to make it one of these mm-hmm. and they'll have a special worker ability. Now they act like regular workers, but they could have an extra benefit. Like the one we had, you could take an, uh, any one of the bonuses. So even if it was a three yeah. or four or five or six player game, you could actually choose one of those instead. And then the other one was if you're 
if all other players have passed and you placed one, you get an extra bonus. Mm-hmm. So anyway, those that's all actually the Tuscany added other than a new board. Uh, oh, the regions, right? Yeah. So it also came with 36 stars, which are the same stars from Scythe. Scythe? Yeah, the Triumph stars from Scythe. Yeah. Uh, so each player gets six stars and they can place it. There's a small map on the board where you can place it in the regions of Italy. Yeah, the stars are like influence. So you're creating yeah. influence for your your family. And it gives you special bonuses for placing them there. Yeah, there's like one-time bonuses when you place them. And then you can move them around on future turns. And there is a two-player variant for that, which was nice. Sure, sure. But uh, in the regular game, though, you got victory points if you had the most influence in each one of the like, yeah. one of the areas. I really liked what that added to the game. Absolutely. So overall, let's go into review here. Let's give our review of what the base game is, and let's give the review with, with the expansion. We uh, This is all due territory because we haven't done this before on the podcast. So what would you give the review uh, for this game, for the base game, and then the expansion, the Tuscany expansion? Yeah, I really like the base game, but I wouldn't play it again without the Tuscany expansion. Sure, but you still need to give number values tier for the base oh, game and the value for I the I didn't Tuscany. realize that's what we were doing. Yeah, this is the review section. It's okay. like you haven't listened to our podcast ever. Okay, thank you. Oh, gosh. I'm just kidding. She listens every week. <laughs> and then I critique you. She does. Um, My, so you what, said like a lot. <laughs> so what is your review? Like, totally. Like, what's your like, like what's view? Like, what's the review? Like, what's your view? A number for this. <laughs> hmm... Do you do decimal points or no? You can. Uh, we've been going off the BGG score. So for the base game, I'm going to give it a 7.5. It's pretty high. That means it's an excellent game you're willing to always, almost always play. The base game? Yeah. I'll just give it a 7. Okay, you're going to give the base game a 7. What do you give the ex- with the expansion? With the expansion, I'm going to give it a 9. Which means you're always willing to play this game, basically. Always willing to play this game. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'll always play this down with Tuscany. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt. Like, Tuscany is way better. It really doesn't add a whole lot of extra time, I think, to the game. Yeah. Um. So I'm going to give the base game a five. Just not a big fan. Yeah. There's way other, many games I'd rather play um, other than it. It uh, doesn't do enough unique things, should I say, to make it any better for me for the base game. And there's other worker placement games I'd rather play. Theme doesn't get me. That's fine. That's a... Uh, subjective but again some of the randomness and you get kind of trapped just unlucky i don't enjoy it i'd rather play everdale for example i think with the tuscany expansion though i would i would give this a seven and a half Uh, it's it's a great game a lot of fun if -hmm. somebody's gonna ask me to play i'm gonna play it every time yeah but yeah it's a solid worker placement game uh with a lot of theme and some I think, again, with the expansion, adds enough variability and some more yeah. strategy to make it a lot more competitive. It doesn't feel like you're constantly in a hole or you're just counting on those random draws from the visitor cards, which are really powerful. Some of them are really powerful and some of them are very situational. That's what the base game is really hard. You're just basing on try to hit that situation. But again, in the expansion, a lot better, a lot more, uh, less variable. So that's why I'm going to give it. So... I would like to applaud Stonemeyer Games for seeing the flaws in the original game and going back and fixing all of that. You know, coming out with the Essential Edition, sure. yep. revamping the Tuscany, figuring out how to make it better. Yeah, oh, I agree. Not that I've ever played the original way, but after watching videos and kind of reading about it, yeah, I think that they that was really good of them to go back and fix everything. Yep, I agree. Okay, well, let's just go ahead and uh, skip the like that like this. Um, just Everdell. because, uh, yeah, yeah. Was, oh, 
Everdell, because we're coming up on uh, 40 minutes of okay. review. Um, so uh, just uh, recap, your review was a 7 for the base game, and then you gave it a 9 yes. for the Tuscany expansion. I gave it a, a 5 for the base game. And a, <laughs> what did I give the expansion? 7.5? 7.5. 7.5 for the expansion. So check this out. Go watch videos, look at some pictures, see if this is right for you. It Again, if you're going to buy the game, get the expansion. Yes. There's no reason not to get it. It doesn't yeah. add a whole lot, but the stuff it does add makes it that much better. So anyway, that's our review for Viticulture. <laughs> All right, this week's love and hate. Emily, do you want to start off the love? Sure. My love this week is expansions. I really like when they come out with expansions for games like Viticulture and Tuscany. It made the game way better. Well, I liked your your original love better, but okay, I won't well, take it personally because it was about me. But that's fine. Well, yeah, expansions. Sure. I can go ahead and say no, it I'm is it is Christmas night that we are recording this. So your love is expansions. <laughs> <laughs> yes, my love is expansions. And with Scythe, we just got done playing the Riser Fenris expansion. And I thought that made the game a lot more fun. Yeah, and like if you really like a game, it, it just giving you more content that keeps it fresh and yeah. uh, and fun. Sometimes a lot of these expansions seem just like, eh, like there's really no need for it or who cares? I'll take it or leave it. But when it's a game that's done really well or a game you really like, it really does add Maybe another uh, breath of fresh air into a, a game you really enjoy. Yeah. Like Scythe, for mm-hmm. example, for us. Or, in this case, Viticulture makes it uh, a really good game. Yeah. Okay, for me, uh, this week is uh, puzzle games. And I, I said this, say this, because we actually got our son, uh, what is it called? Roller Coaster, Roller Coaster Challenge? Challenge? Yeah, it's by Think Games, I believe. Think Fun. It's by Think Fun, and uh, I think I talked about this uh, another one where it's like this boat thing with the waves. Anyway, yeah. they, they kind of a genre, and this one's kind of a cool one where it's, this is this can be hard to explain. So you might have to help me out with this one, Emily. But it's a there's like a board, like plastic board that has all these holes and punch outs in it, and with the game it comes with uh, like tracks, and then it comes with these what I would call them pillars, like, yeah, the, that go into then and, and connect to this this board and on all the pillars there's slots in the corners and that's how the the tracks or like the turns and stuff actually connect in they just slide into the corners and there's like a starting and finish line and then there's tracks that connect in between the two turns and then there's like a coaster car that has like a ball bearing that that rolls down the track and so essentially there's a deck of cards from one to 40 and that gets progressively harder and what it'll do is say here's your setup for the board so it might just say okay put the starting line here starting line there tells you how high to put them and then it gives your your list of components you need you need this many tracks of this color and this length and it's like all right figure it out it's a puzzle Mm -hmm. and it's done in such a way because each of the the track colors represent how high an elevation it can go so like greens can go up and down one elevation blues go down two orange go down three there's a loop-de-loop like a like a like a (laughs) It's actually called a loop. It uh, goes down five. And then there's one, a magenta, that goes down zero. So it goes from same level mm-hmm. to same level. And so, and then within each one of those, there are different lengths. So there's like a one dot, which means it goes one, spans one 
uh, one distance between pillars. There's a two for two, three and three, and four and four, for example. And I think the board's a five by five. Uh, anyway, so the, with with the cards and giving the components, it actually there it's kind of like a puzzle. Kind of reminds me of Sudoku, where you, sometimes you have to work your way backwards, and then once you get in one area figured out, then it unlocks the logic on another area. Sometimes you have to wait, work your way backwards from the finish. Sometimes you have to wait, work your way from the start. Sometimes you have to do a little of both to get to know where to put everything. And it's just like a big logical puzzle. But the cool ending result is you get a roller coaster and you connect it and then you get to move your little roller coaster thing and it slides down and does loops and corners and turns. And it's a lot of fun. And then if you get through all the cards, you can just create your own little coasters and your own creations. It's a lot of fun. And our our six year old, we, we let him open it on Christmas Eve as activity because we we're off. And that's all you want to do all mm-hmm. day. I think we went through all four. 40 cards yes. by the, the and end then of the day. he had started over and then he started over and he was doing it on his own yes um so after i kind of taught him how to go through it he started doing it on his own and he just loves it and since i was in charge of buying on the christmas gifts on amazon i accidentally <laughs> ordered two of them yeah so we have an extra one in the closet so and- you were gonna sell it right but i was yeah. thinking it might be kind of cool to have like a mega one. You can build some really cool coasters. We'll see. We'll see. The, it's still in shrink wrap right now. We might get it out. Yeah. So no, but fun little game. It is a little pricey. I think it was like $30 on Amazon, but for what you get in it and like just the puzzleness and then just like that. And the components and, and the components. It was actually really cool. Really cool system. How mm-hmm. it was really well done. Uh, it's not that difficult. Like the very, very hard ones. I, I didn't struggle at all on their other one with the boat and the wave one. I forgot what, the yeah. name of what it's called. That's really hard. I You have to sit there and really think and think. That was pretty difficult. The roller coaster one wasn't very difficult. Well, I think it starts at age six. Yeah. But you're that. rewarded with a cool roller coaster. So. Yeah. And it's something fun to do with your kids yeah. that you won't get super bored doing. No, that's true. Absolutely. So anyway, that was Roller Coaster Challenge. That was my love this week. Sometimes it's nice to have these puzzly solo type games or even have, you know, play with your, your six-year-old. All right. Hate this week. Emily, what was your hate? My hate is learning new games. And I should say love hate. It's a necessary evil. Sure. Because you can't play new games without you learning You can't play new games without learning them. But I seriously hate learning new games like i'll be the, the thing is it's not like i know games i can just teach you i'm learning too yeah. at the same time most of the time if we're playing a new game both of us are learning it for the first time so yeah. Yeah. i figured out that i could watch videos or i read the rule book by myself and then we talk about it together we had some situations in the last week or two where she was falling asleep at the table as I'm like reading through the book okay. and trying to explain it. By the time we sit down to the table to play a game, it's 8, 8.30, and I'm trying to learn a new game. I've been up since 5. <laughs> she has to like get up and like wake herself up. It's funny. But yeah. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. I mean, I stand up and I stay awake, so. Do some calisthenics or something. But I just wish there was a way to get the information into my brain. Without having to learn it. Yeah, we just keep playing more complex games, though. Um, so that's just the nature of the beast. And we have played a lot of new games that we have. in the last few months. And, and, and you apparently and then, going to play more. Apparently. And so I just have to get used to it. Have to, and I am figuring out ways that it works better for my learning style and staying awake for it. Yeah. Uh, but it's still one of my dislikes. All right. That's one of your hates this week. All right, my hate this week is drama. Uh, the only reason I put it is that recently on one of the board game uh, 
Facebook groups, there's like some bunch of drama where like, well, the head people didn't pay was for this, but then they did a. It was just silliness. It's oh, no. just drama for drama's sake, and it was like a big misunderstanding. But people were getting really catty and negative about it, and it was just too bad. Like you know, the whole. Why point gotta of, be like that? Yeah, the whole point of the board gaming uh, this group is just to talk about board games. There's like, people from all different levels and questions, and it's a pretty cool community. I really like on on the face on on the Facebook on the face, face on the Facebook. Um, but it, it's a really good great group where people show off pictures, ask questions, we talk about things, give suggestions. It's a great group. It was just unfortunate some drama had to spill over just because some people were being really si- silly and catty about it and accusing people of doing stuff that wasn't actually true. So it was too bad. It's the internet, you know how well, things that's go. That's disappointing. Yeah, but I hate it. Drama, stupid, dumb. So yeah. that's my hate this week. All right, well, that will wrap up episode 34. Kind of a long one, Emily, but hey, that's to be expected when you're talking about goals. And uh, I don't know. I'm a talker anyway, so uh, without having to keep stuff short, I don't know how to keep it. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It was a good episode. Thanks for coming on. It was a lot of fun to have you be on here talking about games. Yes, it was so fun to be on. Um, We'll definitely hear from you uh, more probably this next year as things go on and uh, schedules are always changing so i did hint at some things uh spoilers so not spoilers but a news yeah um so one of the news things is uh in two weeks we are going to have an episode with joe from the dealt hand i know we've talked about dealt hand so much on this podcast Um, we've been to a lot of Delt Hand yes. uh, events. We've talked to Joe, got to know him a lot better. Um, heck, you just got me merchandise for the Delt yeah. Hand for Christmas, which was a cool stock, stocking stuffer. And so uh, we've been talking to him. I wanted to have him on the podcast and uh, finally got dates aligned up. He's been a lot even more busy, which is really good. Really yeah, good for them. that so, is a great problem to have. Really exciting. So we'll talk about more about the Delt Hand, what their kind of their philosophy, what they're doing um, with in board gaming and how they're you know trying to expand not only their business but board gaming as general. And I think this is a really cool trend that I think uh, is really neat, and I'd like to see this continue more in just all over, just instead of just our our little uh, small yeah. Des Moines Ankeny area, uh, because I think this is a cool cool thing that they do to get people into board game, but also gives us the opportunity to play board games and meet yeah. new people. Um, and, and invite our friends that are new gamers as well. Yeah. And to try envi- new games that we don't own. Yeah, exactly. Into an environment that is really friendly, really mm-hmm. open than just your friendly gaming store. No, no offense to the friendly gaming stores, but there's definitely a type and it's not as inviting. We'll talk about that probably with a little Joe. Hopefully we don't burn too many bridges with it, but it should be a really good episode. I really like Joe. He's a uh, nice guy, a lot of fun to talk to. He probably has yeah. some funny stories, hopefully. Uh, to talk about and we'll just talk about uh, board games as well on top of it and see what he's been playing Um, so that is coming up in two weeks we're recording so I think actually it'll be episode 37 when it comes out more details to come in the future weeks uh, but that is coming up so kind of a little uh, preview so that should be a lot of fun yeah and then um, also for New Year's yes this comes out New Year's week Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year's. But we're actually doing going to the Delt Hand yes. officially for the New Year's Eve. I think I might have mentioned that previously, but for officially we are doing it. We got yes. child we care. We got the for, tickets. We got tickets. We got child care. We'll be there. We're going to be there. It starts at 8 and goes to like 1 in the morning. Yeah. We're going to be playing board games. Yeah. Just. Uh, I, I guess there's going to be cocktails and mocktails with board game themes. Oh, that'll be cool. Yeah. And the mocktails will even light on fire. Oh, boy. That's what Joe is telling me. Oh, that'll be cool. Yeah, I'm excited. 
Um, it'll just be fun to play some of those games, but that required a lot of people and that we don't get a whole lot of time in. Um, yeah. So, or, or even at full player counts, you know, I'd love to play like a, yeah, yeah, you know, a full game of tapestry or something mm-hmm. like that, or Captain Sonar. Get set. Let's yes. see, if that's ten people, four, four, yeah. something like that, four, four, and then the captains. Anyway, just to get a game like that in, it's going to be the perfect time to do it. So yeah. I'm really looking forward to it. It's probably going to be the. I always think New Year's is always New Year's Eve is really lame and not very fun, but I think. But it- it's I think the this year's perfect be night to play board games. It's I know. meant for board game playing. I know. Why hasn't this occurred to us before? I don't know. We've done it in years past. We've just had people at our house. Sure, sure. But not to the same degree. But, exactly. But um, anyway, should be a lot of fun. Really looking forward to that. So that's coming up this week. I'm sure I'll be talking about it a lot next week to talk about what it played uh, at uh, the, the yeah. New Year's celebration. Anyway, uh, anything else you want to add, Emily, before we sign off for this episode? No, definitely. Thanks for having me on. It was super fun to be here. And make sure you DM us your game goals for the year slash your favorite legacy game that you like to play or have played so that we can pick ours for the year. We'll have to do one two player or three player. Yeah, we're going to have to. Maybe Aeon's in Legacy. Oh, yeah. Would be a good one because that's cooperative. That might not be a bad two player. It's a great game. We'll have to look into that. Yeah. So that'll do it for us for this week. Uh, We thank you for listening and making it this far. We appreciate it. Any feedback or comments is always appreciated uh, on your favorite podcasting app, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or what have you. Feel free to give us five stars and a review. We really appreciate it. We read everything that comes out. If you have any questions or suggestions, always feel free to reach out to us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Games We Play pod the face in the gram (laughs) the face in the gram and and twitter i guess i'm still on there once in a while but not as much and then as always if you want to send any mail in or questions we'll talk about on the air if you want us to at our gmail games with play pod at gmail.com uh still working on the website it is happening uh work in progress it might not be wix uh like i was testing on a free just because i couldn't quite get what i wanted to do i still need to play around with a little bit uh but Still working on that. That is coming up. Uh, still working on logo design. That's all coming up. Those should be goals for 2020 to get out. Uh, Hashtag goals. Yeah. So um, just putting out there. So we're working on stuff. But again, if there's any feedback or questions, feel free to reach out to us. All right. Uh, Chris should be back on next week for episode 35. Uh, if not, uh, we'll, I mean, you'll figure it out next week, I guess. Uh, but from the games we play, I am Brian. And I'm Emily. And keep on gaming. Join the conversation and feel free to give us your feedback. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at GamesWePlayPod and at GamesWePlayPod at gmail.com.